ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. The holidays are here, and our gift to you is a cliche best-of edition of the E-League Report, the best damn eSports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, and I'm coming at you pre-recorded because we are likely drunk on eggnog as you're listening to this show. It's been a long, crazy year in esports. 2018 saw esports grow up in a lot of ways and regress in many others. And we certainly had no shortage of opinion. But in true, let's take a holiday vacation instead of work fashion, we had our producer pull some of our favorite discussions over the past year for you to relive instead of spending time removing viruses from your mother's computer. We're going to start out with the single best moment of the year. The moment that Seven was without a shadow of a doubt wrong. Back in March, Fortnite streamer Ninja did a surprise stream with rap artist Drake, and the rest was history. Or at least I thought so. Seven, however, was not convinced. So hold on, I need a sip of water here because it's about to get salty. Oh, we're going into that part of the show. Yes, so we're about to talk about Drake. Now, the reason why this is going to get a little salty is because Seven got to do a little pre-debate with some of our production help <laughs> that got a little got a little salty. So for those of you who've been living under a rock somewhere, um, sometime last week, Drake broke the internet. He got on a stream with Ninja, um, who's a famous Fortnite streamer, if you don't follow Fortnite or it hasn't been shoved into your face. And they broke the single concur- single streamer concurrent viewer record at 635,000. The previous one was when your boy, and this, I think this is partially why you're salty. I'm just going to call you out for this, because Dr. Disrespect's record got broken by this whole nonsense. Um, Actually, but- it was uh, Tyler Wan was, had it. Be- he had a higher record. Before Doc, Doc did not break his record. Really? Because they had you know, Doc at three eighty-eight. Uh, well, supposedly Twitch was broken at that point in time. I think uh, I had only heard him at three twenty something, but he might have gotten higher. Yeah, they say three eighty-eight. So regardless, it destroyed that record. That it might have been T one. Yeah, and we broke the and broke the internet. So there's been, of course, the mainstream, and when I say, well, obviously the mainstream media has gotten on this too, but talking specifically about the mainstream gaming media has kind of jumped on this, and it's being pitched as this, you know, seminal moment in video gaming culture, and that Drake getting involved is, like, somehow a cultural shift for, we'll call it streaming, I don't, I don't this is not necessarily related to esports, so it's more about, like, streaming and video gaming as a platform, uh, it got people like Dead Mouse super salty, there's a lot of salt in this story, by the way. The way, Dead Mouse got super salty about it, and Seven got a little salty about it because you, you say salty, but all I did was agree with Dead Mouse's view of it. Which well, is so you guys are sharing the salt. Yeah. No, the salt. neither of us are salty. Both of us are just <laughs> no, 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 Dead Mouse see is, it as is. Dead, Dead Mouse is. We're not salty. pie in the sky, people. Uh, I don't know Go ahead, you were saying before <laughs> I jumped in. Why must you interrupt my salt? Um, so let's talk about this. Is this a seminal moment for gaming? Like there is something here. No. I don't want to deny that there's something here. But sure. you don't it's think Drake that playing it's, video games. <laughs> it's Drake playing video games. You don't think it's that big of a deal. No, I don't. And and here's why. Here's why, right? Thank you. I was hoping you'd if get you, to that part. 
<laughs> well, you had to stop talking to let me get there. You had to quit saying salty, salty, salty. I grabbed the uh, so pen essentially and you it were is like this. It. Which and when this whole conversation came up it was literally hours after it had happened yes i'm waving a, a random pen that i happen to just have in my hand sorry he's very I, yeah I've, I've gone all like i don't know harry potter i'm gonna turn things into whatever um I'm so gonna say the spell but i'll get it wrong yeah i don't know i didn't really pay any attention harry potter i have no reference outside hey, of if, i might have if a harry potter and ninja streamed and it got like a million views that'd be a seminal moment maybe <laughs> i guess i don't know it's probably the same uh so it's Essentially, the the day afterwards, everybody's talking about like how this is a great thing for gamers and it's changing everything. It's bringing all these people together, and I'm just like, what? Like, it's it's a bunch of people watching Drake do something, and and again, Ninja already had a bunch of people doing something, right? So then, when that happens, then it gets thrown up on the front pages of, of Twitch because whatever it's boosting it, it's it's just a bunch of people watching two people play a game. And yes, I know Drake brought other people into it and it was just kind of cool to see Drake do it. But at the same point in time, Drake could have periscoped himself taking a shit. And at the same point in time, probably 300,000 people would have came and watched it. Seminal now, moment Ninja, for toilets. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds a little awkward. I, I purposely but, said it that way. <laughs> anyways, uh, again, it's just people watching Drake play. Now, Everybody tries to say, like, well, they're, they're they're fans of Drake. They may not be fans of Fortnite. But I guarantee you that fans of Drake who came to watch him play a video game are fans of video game. So who are the winners in this? Who are the people who make out in this? Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite, right? Ninja and Drake. Tell me how gamers as a whole win from this situation. I've heard multiple people give me, like, examples as to why, like, well, just, you know, it it... I don't know, vindicates us that, you know, playing games is not just a dumb thing. I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't. It's just now instead of one person, there's two people playing video games. One of them just has to be, both of them have to happen to be really popular. But again, out of this, did did Ninja go and give a bunch of money to charity, all the money that was made during that stream? No. Did anything come out of this for in terms of like, I don't know, what, what some people tried to equate it to was, you know, violence in video games. Did anything from that come stem from it? No. He did get a CNBC interview. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Watch out. And I heard it was also mentioned in People magazine. He's like, gonna, seriously. He's be time man of the year. Right, right. And people hear. People magazine's man of the year or man with best hair color of the year. And it'll be like a little corner maybe on something like but in all honesty, like where? And how? Like, how is this a huge thing for gaming? And so I, what happened is, is Dead Mouse had the same view. He's like, it's just two people playing video games. It's not like a big deal. Like, somebody who's famous or a musician who's famous goes and plays video games. And I know a lot of people attacked him because he's someone who's famous and he plays video games. But at the same point in time, like, okay, he's not Drake. He doesn't have as many followers as Drake. So it's just a bigger musician playing video games. But it's still one person playing video games. Not, like... You you would have to, I don't know what you would have to do, but you would have to actually prove the fact that it is any kind of wave socially, I don't know, just politically. You show me an example outside of the CNBC interview, which still doesn't give an example uh, of how this has made any kind of wave. I can argue that anything that E-League has done or the WB has done, which has taken games and put that on TV is arguably more important and has made more of a statement and made more of a wave than Drake saying, hey, I want to play Fortnite. I don't know how to set up anything, including Discord. Call me on my phone. 
great. There's at least probably thir- 20 to 30 minutes of tech support in him doing it. So fixed by print. Yes, totally valid. So, so I, I, I want to talk about a couple of things here. So I'm going to do what everyone hates that I do, and I'm going to draw an analogy to soccer. So for many, many, many endless years, people talk about waiting for that that moment, the watershed moment, and they try to pin this watershed moment to any number of things that have happened in the history of soccer in the United States is that thing that is going to make soccer as big here as it is in Europe. When the reality is, is everything is just a totality of the circumstances. Over time, these things draw more people in, increase the legitimacy of the sport, and make it a bigger deal. If you look at it as snapshots in time, it was smaller 10 years ago than it is now, and it sounds like a really fun and interesting narrative to go through and find the two or three things that we think make it a big deal and say those are watershed moments. But that's not actually what happens. And I think what you have here is something very similar. Now, while I could completely agree with you that this is not like a night and day moment where it didn't wake up in a new world the cool, day we're after going to break. streamed Fortnite. <laughs> the, but there are things that matter here. Like, uh, there are things that matter are it is a big deal for Fortnite. And regardless yeah. of the reasoning, and there are, and I, I, I'll question the motives in some of these things, but people who have not necessarily been associated with video games see the opportunity and getting associated with video games. One particular person that has caused a lot of drama is Logan Paul, the infamous YouTuber that has now decided he's going to start a Twitch channel and he's going to stream Fortnite. I'm not saying this is a positive, but these are the things that happen. Yeah, completely. Like, I was like, wait a minute. Are you trying to bring up points in which this has made things better? No, in the no, world? I didn't say made things better. I think okay. make a difference. It's bringing right. more eyeballs to Fortnite. It's bringing more eyeballs to Twitch. So I think it's important from that standpoint. Completely anecdotal. I follow a lot of people on Instagram that have nothing to do with video games. People that are in the fashion industry. People who are into sports. Drake is a big deal in music. He's a big deal in fashion and sports. And so they see this, and there's more, generally speaking, more talk about Fortnite and streaming than there was before. I don't think it drastically changes the world. I think as you look back and go, is there more eyeballs here today than there were yesterday? Yeah. How How much longevity is there to that? I have no idea. There'll be 500 more moments like this. I think some of the things that you brought up are moments. When we break the record and break a million concurrent viewers of the Boston Major for CSGO, I think that's important. I think it's important for different reasons. Because it's more about the validity of esports, and we're talking about people who are already video game fans largely, you know, coming over to esports. And I think that's what's happening here. We have people who, maybe not necessarily not gamers. I think there's a huge following for the FGC in the hip hop community, in some of the sports community. You look at the people that are celebrities that care about Street Fighter and things of that nature. Dragon Ball Z, as we'll talk about here in a bit, has done a lot to bring that crowd into the fighting game scene because it's the same, you know, stuff that brought those people into the anime scene. So I think there is some significance here, but I think we have gotten a little too prone to hyperbole and are are missing some of the nuance and papering over it by just looking at it as a black or white. Is it like change the world? And it doesn't change the world, but I do think this is an important moment and we go back and we pick like, if I have to tell you the most important things that happen to make Twitch a bigger platform or Fortnite a better game or streaming more mainstream in the last year, you have to put it on that list, even if we think it doesn't fundamentally change the stigma or lack thereof of gaming. Yeah, I think what it is, a lot of people, as you mentioned, we're, we're basically calling this a great thing for gamers everywhere. But it, I, I don't see that part, right? Is it great for Drake, 
Twitch, Fortnite, Ninja. Yeah, great for all of them. Great for everybody else who joined in on that stream. It, it, is it going to change perception of gamers everywhere? No. And, and, and maybe some people were trying to say, like, it brought a lot of people together. And sure. what do you think games have been doing for, like, the longest time? Yeah, this and, is the latest so version just, of it. Yeah, whatever. It's just... The thing is, is I think that, you know, they were like, well, you've got a bunch of people who listen to Drake and the same stream as a bunch of people who watch Ninja play. And I'm like, if you think that neither of those groups ever have run into each other in the history of their lives or even know of each other, then you're what rock are you under? Like, I don't get this. So I guess a lot of the reasons why I was I was debating this before and you thought I was salty and it was very clear that I'm not salty. I think it's actually a really cool thing that happened. I just don't see it becoming sorry stop recording uh i just don't see it becoming this a great uh, this making this huge wave within gaming culture and the perception of gamers that's all i'm saying yeah i i think it is oh perfectly okay to get excited about a celebrity of some stature whether it be from inside our world or outside our world like in gaming one of the things that I think is awesome is I love when, like, Kenny Omega does stuff at Evo. You know, he's, I'm a big wrestling fan. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, and it's cool to see him come in there. I don't think it's, like, a amazing melding of wrestling fans and gaming fans that is going to somehow do it. Just as I think it's mm-hmm. cool when I see Rocket League-sponsored WWE events, because I think it is a new audience for Rocket League to get in front of. This is no different than any other type of marketing, regardless of whether this was intended as such as not. And I know there's some people out there that view it as some sort of, you know, influencer engagement campaign that has been cleverly masked by Drake. And you know what? I don't really give a crap if that's the case or not. <laughs> like, because anymore, does that really matter? Like, does, do we are we really arguing about the authenticity of it? Like, in the end, the dude got on there. He played some Fortnite. It's a big deal. Yeah. One other th- people I will say probably benefit from this is other Fortnite streamers. Like, if you if you subscribe to the belief that this will get more people into Fortnite, just generally speaking. Like, there's some people that didn't know about Fortnite that were Drake fans that now know about right. Fortnite, or it's in the media, now we know about Fortnite. That's good if you're a Fortnite streamer, for sure, because there's potential more audience that are now interested in watching Fortnite on Twitch. And like you said, good for Twitch. Um, so I think I'd like to scale this back. I think it's a good day for Twitch. I think it's a good day for Ninja. I think it's a good day for the game. Um, I don't feel any different as a gamer. I didn't need, nor did I want Drake's, you know, sign off for blessing that gaming is now cool because I feel like we've gotten that in many, many, many cases. I think it's a bit of a victim complex, to be quite honest, as as gamers, we still feel like we are targeted. Like, if I'm going to be frank, I think that's more of like, that's a very Gamergate-y sounding type thing where like, we're being targeted, it's unfair. It's just like, look, it's been cool to be a nerd to a certain degree for quite a while now. Like, let's get over (laughs) that mentality. Like, we're cool and we're all smart and rich and making money. Like, what the fuck ever? It's it's just stupid to me that we've taken it to that level that we feel like we're these victims that need validation. So that's more where I push back on that. Like, that's the part where I'm just kind of like, get over ourselves. Life is not that freaking bad. There are literally... Freaking Ninja is making millions of dollars a year now from streaming a damn video game. We don't get to play the victim card anymore. We've clearly found an outlet for our hobby that is making a hell of a lot more money than some dude that's okay at basketball. So, like, it, right. like I, I think that's the part that I'd like to see change. More of this feeling that we even need something like this or that it's necessary to validate the hobby. The hobby makes billions of dollars a year in revenue. What are we waiting for again? Like, what's going to happen? What's the feeling that needs to happen that wash over me? 
and Twitch has like higher numbers now than CNBC, I believe it was mentioned, and or and uh, CNN, I think, total viewership wise. Yep. So, yeah, I don't understand. It was the equivalent now at this point in time of Ninja going on a podcast because CNBC was leeching off of Ninja in terms of. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we need to get this Ninja kid on to get our uh, ratings up. <laughs> ratings up, right? Let's just put a bunch of you know stock symbols behind him because that makes sense. Yes, uh, well, perfect. It's, it's yeah. CNBC. That was Waves the interesting made. part. It was just a weird context more than anything else for me. Like, I'm sorry, is he like impacting the stock market now? Like, is that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I think what this was is this was just uh, insider politics. This was like just them throwing the finger to People Magazine. Is really yep, what it was. Yep, yep. I think we should get him involved in like the Russia investigation. I bet he could solve those problems too. Him and Drake. It's <laughs> coming down a little hotline bling. I have no well, idea what hotline bling means, by the way, because I'm not a Drake fan, but. <laughs> I just thought I'd name drop it so we're cool. Get some more viewers. Just saying. I don't know if it helped at all. I don't, th- I don't think that helped our case. At no, all. Nothing Drake on did this not show so far today has uh, helped our case, if we're being fair. So anyway, that's Drake and Twitch and Ninja. I'm excited in general. I think it's cool. Um, I think some people looked at what Dead Mouse said and looked at it as a jealousy thing more than anything else because right, you know, right. there's this angle of like, oh, I've been doing it and I'm not getting this kind of attention, which is, you know, not untrue. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So Seven, I, what you can't see right now is Seven's got one of his OVO hats on. He has no idea what I'm talking about, but people who know Drake are know what I'm talking about. He's got one of his OVO hats on. He's got Hotline Bling playing in the background. He's got his John Wick skin. He's, he's ready it. to go. I, I'm I'm kind of dancing around like I don't know Bill Cosby with one leg whatever that <laughs> is. That how you describe how Drake dances? Yeah, it's like it's magic like a, like a grandfather. Bill Cosby is probably like the worst worst reference to make there because it's not like he's like well I don't know that movie he could have been throwing out roofies at people. He could have been. That's exactly what that is. He's like a roofie for you, a roofie for you. It just reminds me of like this like the people, old man dancing. Leaning over, maybe has a walker. It's, whatever. There's still re- dropping roofies on the ground. The man, the man has <laughs> more memes about him than I have money, so I can't really say. Yeah, no, Drake can't do no wrong. wrong at this point, man. He even like no. was like single handedly responsible for breaking like an 18 game winning streak in the NBA by just like going on the court and predicting that the Raptors were going to beat the Rockets. So the man is magical. It's it's kind of hard to disagree with him at this point. So cool on Ninja. I think the Ninja story is cool. I know there's some haters out there, and I've, I've seen a little hate flying a few people's way about how he got his subscriptions and being you're fake Twitch too, Prime. Far too invested in all this. I, I, I was like, cool. There's all this drama Something around happened. Ninja. I'm just stoked for the dude. Like, I think it's a cool story. So maybe I didn't have as much conviction as I remembered, but it certainly was a turning point for Ninja, even if it turned into a beef with Drake and a bunch of rappers suing Epic over dance moves. Next up is probably the second most talk about topic of the year behind regionality, and that is franchising. This time it was the EU LCS's turn to give it a go, and after walking back ambitious expansion plans, the newly rebranded LEC was born. Big changes are abound for the EU LCS, as Riot has announced the final teams and a surprise rebranding of the EU LCS for the League of Legends franchising bottle coming up for the 2019 season. They are now be the League of Legends European Championship, or the LEC. We get a fancy new logo, very Premier League looking, right. uh, which is interesting given some of the rumors of previous iterations of what this was going to look like. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but the teams that will be competing... Fnatic, FC Schalke 04, G2 Esports, Misfits, Vitality, Splice, Excel, Rogue, SK Gaming, and Origin. The teams that are out, Giants Gaming, H2K, Team Roca Cat, and the Unicorns of Love. Which we knew were already out. 
which we knew were already out, but there's a lot of interesting things to unpack. Let's start with that splice story for a moment. So it was rumored up until a few days ago that these slots were going to be North and Movie Star, and that they ran into problems during negotiation at the last minute, Excel and Splice were brought back into the equation. And I wonder how much of this official acquisition of Splice has to do with making them a viable option to get into the EU when they weren't maybe even a week ago. We don't know the exact timeline here, but it was not the original plan to bring these two teams into the EU LEC. Sorry, I can't we even call it the EU LEC. Is that redundant now? I think that is. The LE, to bring them into the LEC, this is going to take us a minute, folks. We apologize. Um, it's going to bring them into the LEC, and this makes them a better ownership group if it's not splice it's splice that is now owned by overactive media which also owns an overwatch league team presents better stability and i wonder had splice not got pulled back into the lec if we would have seen this move happen well let's let's talk about riot's press release which mentioned that uh that they chose those teams based on a blend of the very best of native esports expertise with the fresh commercial insight and backing so there you go. I think that just that uh, I think that solidifies your your rumor, your IHOP rumor, your theory, your hypothesis. Uh, it's definitely what happened. Like, like I mentioned, somewhere along the lines, Splice was able to figure out this deal uh, with Overactive Media. It was contingent on if if this, then that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, if not, uh, if we get this, will we get uh, into the LEC? And that was the case, and that and it's they're a much stronger team financially, backing wise, and when you have Overactive Media Group, which yes, they're, they're jumping platform, jumping uh, from between Overwatch League, and they're in the LEC. That's bringing a company that is leveraging sponsors and uh, money coming in. All, from all over, right? So they're yep. going to have, be more established and say unicorn, unicorns of love, right? Which are more likely to reach out to like a porn and gets <laughs> and gets uh, backing. I, I think that uh, I think you're right. I, it, there was definitely some stuff that happened last minute. Splice was able to uh, make that jump. However, you also brought up another point before the show about H2K. Yeah, so let's talk about. This is a long. We're going to reach into the annals of history a year ago, and. H2K and Unicorns got very, very salty with Riot through an open letter. I believe part of it was published through ESPN, basically saying, we are going to pull out of the EU LCS unless you fix your shit, is essentially what those two teams said. They got, it got not heated, but definitely uncomfortable. Riot does right. not like their laundry aired. We have seen this happen around NALCS franchising back in the days when Yahoo Esports still existed, and they basically came out early on franchising because they were forced to, and they don't like when these things happen. So H2K and Unicorns of Love threatened to leave in 2017. Both teams denied entry into the LEC, which does not feel like a coincidence, and feels especially punitive when H2K had actually lined up a partnership with Paris Saint-Germain, which is the massive, very well-funded club in Ligue 1 of the French uh, Football League, and one of the best teams in the world has been throwing money around left and right to get players. And for them to deny that level of outside sports investment, whether it's attached to H2K or not, seems 
very troubling to me. Now, I don't know what exactly the deal looked like or what the partnership was offering, if Paris Saint-Germain was going to buy H2K or what that was going to end up looking like. But for them to pass on H2K and therefore pass on PSG seems like a pretty bold move on Riot's part and bucks the trend that we had saw with NALCS, which had a lot of new traditional esports investment or traditional sports investment into esports. This go around, we get no new ones. PSG would have represented the only new investment. We get the existing investment through FC Schalke as well as Misfits, which is the Miami Heat of the NBA. That that is very intriguing to me. Like I hate to project how we view it on Reddit to how the reality is, but it's hard not to feel like Riot's being a little bit petty here. Well, you had to think about it. I mean, do you want to work with this team indefinitely after they've aired your dirty laundry? They've essentially called you out, um, complaint. Now, to be fair, I'm, I'm mostly certain that G2 applied for the NALCS. And I believe Misfits did as All well. F- there was four teams that replied to the, that applied to the NALCS. It was G2 Esports, Fnatic, Splice, and Misfits. And other than this weird hiccup with Splice, all four of those got in. So I don't think the, the punishment here is about entering, trying to get into the NALCS. Right. It is about this open letter that those two teams signed on to. It is not, and these are teams that, so, uh, H2K has been nonstop in the EU LCS since 2015. Same thing for Unicorns of Love. Neither team has ever been relegated. They have been a large, consistent fixture and probably the most consistent fixture outside of Cap because Giants Gaming disbanded and re-entered uh, the EU LCS in 2015 after disbanding in 2013. So very consistent parts of the equation and arguably more popular esports brands especially from you know unicorns of love standpoint than some of the teams that they let in not all of them but some of the teams they left in and i would argue especially a team like movie star that was potentially going to get one of these slots it's just it's hard not to project and look at this and say you guys are being a little petty here because of that letter but then also i don't think that riot is not the type of company that i think that the approach that h2k and unicorns of love took would work like I don't look at right and go, man. I'll be an asshole. That'll get me my way. <laughs> no, no. If anything, it's it's generally the opposite. Now, if you look at H two K, they did go through an ownership change. I think it was in twenty sixteen. Uh, Might have been like early mid. And the people who are backing it aren't weren't like native to esports. Really, I think they had uh, looking at this a senior partner at a law firm, a hedge fund manager. An Australian professor, a professor of business, and the people back in. I threw in like twenty bucks. Yeah, and and, and Brian got some swag. Um, but if you look at that, and when you look at their uh, press release, which talks about commercial insight and backing, esports expertise, it doesn't lie with H two K in that aspect. And so with that, that's another strike against them in terms of. Uh, how viable are they to bring in the league? How viable are they to go out and get their own sponsorship, uh, get their own sponsors, bring in money, contribute to the league in that way? Because that is something that Riot looks at. And when you look at Fnatic, which is the reason why the EU is taken out of the EU LCS and it's now the LEC, because you can't have a team <laughs> not in the EU, yep. in the EU on uh, L- LCS. Regionality. Yeah, right, right. Uh, you, you look at that, uh, the, those core metrics for making that decision and h2k checks it doesn't check a lot of the boxes that are needed to become a team so while had they not made that early strike against uh, lashing out against riot 
they may have actually made it in even with some of those things missing, just from the amount of money that PSG could have brought in. Well, and not just money. And while this is not long-tenured, PSG has a FIFA team, a Rocket League team, a Dota 2 team. All recently new, though. All re- no, no, that's what I'm saying. Not long-tenured by any stretch of the imagination, but PSG has definitely represented a want to invest into esports. And this is not like, hey, this is going to be our first test bed, which has not been the case with the teams that got into the NALCS. The Golden State Warriors and uh, Clutch Gaming, which are the Houston Rockets, were both new entries for those organizations, specifically for NALCS. 100 Thieves, arguably a different situation because of the fact that Nate Shot had already been doing some partnership work and things with the Cavaliers before this NALCS opportunity came up. But so it's weird. It, it, again, I if I'm the EU and I look at the chance to have PSG involved, Absent of even their involvement in esports, that's a lot of money. That's the Qatar Investment Group is who owns PSG. And if you follow World Soccer, we're not talking about making small splashes in some of the players that they have uh, purchased over the last few years. Right. Neymar, we have uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Like, they have gone big to make sure that they dominate the French League. So that would have been money I personally would have welcomed if I was right into the LEC, especially if I'm trying to make it a more prestigious league and maybe shake, despite their performances, shake the feeling that they are a secondary league. And they even, I don't want to say they did it specifically because of the secondary portion. But I believe that they definitely wanted to change the name so that it would not be viewed as a same brand as the NALCS. Yeah. Well, if you also – you could look at it this way. The deal that H2K had with PSG might not have been around the same in terms of who operates the team. Right. And that might have been the strike. You just want to buy your slot. <laughs> right. Pretty much is what it what it was. Uh, PSG wants to buy the way into league. Maybe Ryan saw that and said, no, that's not the case. Because it's kind of what PSG did with Dota 2, yep. right? And they just bought their way to the top. And and that's just a standard way of playing football. Um, but in terms of with Splice and Overactive Media Group, they're already working together with the teams. Splice is a, a seasoned esports uh, gaming organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, the money backing them was just like furthering what they're already doing versus maybe a takeover, a weird kind of sideline partnership. I think that... that if that deal is what sealed it for for Splice, it must have been with them holding more controlling interest than it was for H2K. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and a lot of the thing worth talking about here for a minute is Origin being involved in this. So the parent company of Astralis, we had talked about this. The, the initial rumors were like, oh, Astralis is going to come to the LCS. Uh, Origin is a brand that existed until 2017 within the EU LCS that the parent group of Astralis went and purchased, and that is the branding that they are going to use for this squad in the EU LCS. So effectively, same ownership group, but they decided to go with a branding that is more associated with League of Legends as opposed to Astralis, which has largely been a CSGO organization. Which they want to keep just CSGO. Yep, yep, yep. yep. they all about that. While it remains to be seen if franchising will reinvigorate League in the EU, the performance of their teams at Worlds certainly did. This last clip is one of the many times we took aim at our favorite punching bag of 2018, the Overwatch League. And while we totally missed the mark on a lot of the doom and gloom, the fledgling League still had its fair share of issues. But that certainly didn't stop Seven and Jules from enjoying the first ever OWL Grand Finals. The Overwatch League finale was this weekend. The Grand yes. Finals happened this weekend over uh, Saturday and Sunday. And what just an amazing sight to see in that Barclays Center. I mean, we, 
I mean, to tune in to see that many people, we knew that it was sold out for a while, but you never know, like, the atmosphere is going to happen. But I saw pictures of people, like, totally in cosplay running around. Uh, there was pictures of, like, fans, essentially, like, with uh, Barclay Center staff, and they were just, like, teaching them what esports were and about Overwatch. And it was really neat. Even the NYXL had a little side event going on. Um, yeah. Because I guess they assumed that they were going to win it or be there. Uh, but they had a little uh, shop that they had rented out. Uh, they did a kind of like a pop-up there and they sold some gear. And they had a line like around the block to even get in. So just mm-hmm. uh, it became more than just a single little tournament. It became an entire just takeover event of part of New York City, essentially, uh, to to be all about Overwatch. It, just, I mean, even one of the guys I, I follow on Twitter said how crazy it was to be in Times Square and see his like graphic design work for the Overwatch League plastered on giant LEDs everywhere. He says this is just surreal. The fact that yeah. like that's my work up there in front of all these people on the giant building, like this is nuts. And so it's cool that an esport from an esports standpoint, we're here, and it's not just we we've had big events like we ESL One Cologne, ESL even One New York. We've had huge events, but they've been centered around just a game and it's just a tournament. It's not a full blown atmosphere that is just all encompassing of just the city itself as well. And I think they just went all out and they did incredibly, incredibly well. It was an, it was actually one of the most amazing things that I have seen so far in terms of, I was actually surprised and, and I, and I don't know why I was surprised for this grand finals, mainly just because I wasn't expecting it to be so completely embraced most esports most esports organizations and and um events seem to be kind of like either it's drawing in your favorite teams or it's not and then people are like yeah it's cool that we're going in but you're going to see like fans of like the major teams come in and all i saw on twitter i had a bunch of friends who were there so i was following what they were talking about and then just in general is how loud it was in there how hyped the crowd was how electric the atmosphere was and and how it was beyond any other esports event and i mean we're talking about comparing it to things like the international and you know like i've seen some of yeah. those streams and wondered like how the energy feels in that room and they're saying no this was better this nice. was even more incredible selling out the barclay center um taking over the whole thing and it was really really cool to see it and it mm-hmm. was it brought in fans from places that not necessarily were like yeah yes they had a lot of new york fans because it was their hometown but people who are fans of all the other teams were there right. to support the overwatch league which is so cool. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, they would do a pan of the crowd and you'd see, you know, Boston shirts. You'd see uh, the gladiators were there as well. Like you just saw people who were just backing Overwatch League itself, not just not necessarily just like the regionality of it. And I know that yeah. I think you had mentioned there was like a, a bunch of like, you know, people were, were bust in from Philly and mm-hmm. just so much, I mean, was just... It, Philadelphia and New York City pretty close in in terms of being able to like get there right and so uh having that was about as close as you could get i guess you could say uh unless yeah. you're NYXL is actually having a home team in terms of regionality but regionality didn't seem to play play too much into this i mean everybody was just uh into this whole finals the stage was beautiful production was like spot on 
it's it's weird to see it go across two days i'll admit um yeah that's the yeah. only thing that i thought was kind of awkward i was like okay i'm hyped and i forgot like how until like halfway through i'm like oh, wait this is day one this isn't like it's not going to be figured out like it's it's got two days which is good i mean that kind of takes uh i guess you could say a, a card or it takes from like nba and having uh again multiple games being played the nba finals are that way it's like a best of seven kind of thing so in this case in the future, it kind of sets precedent. And that's what I was thinking about is it could essentially be like a three day event, right? Or, mm-hmm. um, where you're playing in one city and then the other and then another one again, depending, right? I, I thought it was good. Uh, I don't really have any downsides to it. I know that there was the numbers were acceptable, what they wanted. I guess we topped out, I guess you say it was around like 300 plus thousand, almost 350,000 viewers, I think on day two for the grand finals. Is that what it was? Right. And then the the entirety of the broadcast had a global average minute audience of 861,000. And that's tallied across Twitch, MLG, Chinese streams, broadcast right. audiences on ESPN and Disney. Um, so, but only 289,000 of that audience came from the United States. Right. Which is an interesting, you know, of course, you look at the Chinese audiences and they just blow everybody else out of the water. Um to go back to what you were saying before, I, I was talking to Brian when he was in um, London this weekend, and he was watching. He's a huge London Spitfire fan. If you've listened to the show, you know this. Um, so he was trying to watch it as best he could on hotel Wi-Fi. And we couldn't figure out why it was across two days either, because they played... It was the best of three matches, and they played one match on Friday, and then the other match on Saturday going to a third if they needed to, if it was tied up on Saturday. And the momentum, like, never got going in terms of, like, the super hype on Saturday, at least to me. I didn't feel like... We we didn't lead into that. And we were saying in our discussion that it really should be, if you're going to do a two-day event, that you should have the semifinals go on at the event. So you're bringing four teams in and they, they do get out to get down to two. And then you're winding up getting that time to actually see the competition. You're drawing in more fans and it becomes even more of a hypey event. That's kind of how I saw it. And I agree to that to some point. I think what we run into a lot is that within esports, we generally don't know, what it, exactly it, it is from a time standpoint that the game is going to last. Now, Overwatch League, they under they have a, a pretty solid handle on it. They've done four stages. They have an average length of time that they're probably going to hit. They've been pretty solid about that. But it does when you're playing a best of and you're trying to do it within one to two nights. I think earlier I said Saturday, Sunday. I meant Friday, Saturday. But when you're trying to do it within two nights uh, or even three or an option of a third, it becomes a little difficult it becomes a little weird especially when you're trying mm-hmm. to sell out like do we still have a third day do we still have the venue for that day there's a lot of logistics involved and 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 if you're not willing to do essentially uh, two games on the first day but you're willing to do two games on the second it just doesn't play out well it's it's kind of right. difficult to do and so i think that's just a challenge that esports has around it, it Irregardless of game, right? I mean, CSGO, we see that problem where people are playing two matches in the same day and it's kind of a killer from a momentum standpoint or just from a fatigue standpoint. And so I think those things uh, are, are still details that need to be ironed out. Maybe it's not even a fact that they play 
a you know two uh, or sorry a, a best of three, but maybe they play a longer set, and that's just it, right? So maybe you get to see the teams rotate more in that sense. So you're playing instead of uh, playing to three points, essentially you're playing to like five or you're playing to six, and so you go across multiple maps, so you can see more of the pool of players, um, right? And so maybe that's maybe that's a good thing to do. I, I don't know. There's it's just something that has to be figured out. Yeah, they definitely need more maps to do it that way. But <laughs> right, I mean, they have really the map, map pool. Choices. They could go a little bit further into their map pool, but right. that's also uh, more difficult for them on from an observer standpoint and so on and so forth. But I think it's it's totally doable. It's mm-hmm. I, I, for the finals. It should be. You've got a month pretty much off, so figure it out in that time from an observer standpoint. Yeah, that was another criticism that we talked about, about how there was a month between the actual like season ending and then the playoffs, too. And, you know, there's got to be some better way to organize that. I don't know how, but it was their first season. Perhaps they couldn't find a venue to host those finals until a month after they ended the regular season. It just literally just logistics. Um, and since they're playing in Los Angeles for the most part and having the finals in Brooklyn, New York is just, it's a big change. It's a big yeah. difference for the company, for the orgs, that kind of thing. I, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Of course, the London Spitfire came out victorious. They didn't, they didn't drop a map. Well, they, they yeah, they One. didn't drop a map at all. <laughs> I think, they? They, I think, I think it was three, one the first day and three of the second. Okay. But yes, yeah, so either way, they, they it pretty was, much didn't. <laughs> it was a dominant performance, yeah. and Prophet earned that MVP. He earned that title yeah. beyond belief. I just couldn't believe the level of play that was coming out of that team. Yeah, I think on, on day one, Jester got MVP, but overall, I think Prophet was probably even in the running for that that day, uh, especially what he did on Volskaya at the very, very end of day one which is this kind of total flank maneuver where they were just able to get <laughs> it. It's, it always seems like they were able to uh, trick uh, Philadelphia in, in the final moments, right? They would just do this kind of split or divide and flank and they were always able to pull it off. Profit had a 5k on the very, very end where he was able to essentially ride the platform around, hide, sneak back around in the back line. And then when everybody opened up in their assault, Nobody checked their flank, and he came in, removed Neptuno. So there goes one of your 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 best healer, essentially. And then he just continued to chew through them one after one after one or one after another. And that's because they're all like like nobody even knew it. In fact, it wasn't even really televised until after the fact where they showed it from his perspective because you couldn't even see him. He was moving around so fast. And right. you're just, oh, but if you looked at the kill feed, it was like profit, psh, profit, profit, profit. And you're just like killing everybody. They're like going nuts. And it was just amazing, <laughs> an amazing way to end that tournament um, on top of what they did on King's Row um, to, to finish it out, which was dive in, split everybody. And then just having, I think it was maybe birdring, just picking people off with Widowmaker. They're able to yep. just push them out of, uh, of the point and hold it. And it was just, again, just dividing and conquered. They they definitely practiced their strats. They just picked uh, Philly apart. They fell into like almost every trap every time. And, and congrats to Philly to get to this point. But yeah. Spitfire, Spitfire would have taken out anybody they, that they were going up against. Anyway, XL doesn't matter. I think they just had the strats, and they 
It's a it's a team that everybody assumed at the beginning of the year would would perform, even though they right. kind of had their little drought in you know stage two, stage three. It's definitely that team, and wow, that was just it was great. It was a great great set of matches. And despite everything we had to say about Blizzard and Overwatch League this year, we somehow still got invited back to BlizzCon. That's going to do it for this episode, but don't you worry. We've got a whole new slew of reruns coming at you next week. And if those reruns are not scaring you away, be sure to subscribe to the show over on iTunes where we put up a new episode every Monday and Thursday. You can also check us out over at eLeagueReport.com. That's going to do it for this week. We will be back on Monday with yet another episode of the E-League Report. Like only the players can. Players only. Mondays on NBA TV. Yes. <laughs> oh, moving on. Let's talk a little arena of balance.